Good morning. I'm Deacon Faye Patterson with our Sunday School message for today. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you for allowing us to come and worship you through study. Lord, we ask your continued blessings on our congregation. Forgive us of our sins. Lord, we pray for those who are sick and bereaved, that you would heal them as only you can do. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you freely and to come to you at any time. Continue to keep us focused on you and not on the things around us. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So before we begin our lesson today, let me wish everyone a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. Our lesson today is Faith Calls for Perseverance, and it comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 31. Our aim for change is that by the end of the lesson, we will know Jesus's sacrificial death opens the way to the presence of God. We will feel the importance of holding on to faith in Jesus and share our faith with others. Our In Focus summary provides a good introduction to this lesson. It says that Anthony and Angie had been friends long before they became engaged. Anthony asked uh, Angie to marry him. She was speechless and tears ran down her cheeks. She said, I have made too many mistakes in my life. You can't truly love me because I have not forgiven myself. I don't deserve a life with you. Anthony said, we all make mistakes, but God forgives us when we sincerely come to him. Through faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven and we have a new life. In today's lesson, we can develop a personal relationship with Jesus by faith and enter into the presence of God. So I have a question for you. Have you ever done or said something for which you cannot forgive yourself or others? Our background is interesting. I learned a new word today, uh, this week. It was called Hamano, and it's a word that means faith. It's an ancient East African word that was understood in many, many languages. It includes the holistic concept of theology, the doctrine and teaching, even our conduct and lifestyle. The Bible authors encouraged Christians by writing about faith or Hamano. It, it wouldn't sound the same if we were to sing, we've come this far by Hamano, but we could do so if we chose to. We live by Hamano or faith and not by sight. The book of Hebrews, uh, just a little background information, it's an anonymous epistle. Uh, it declares Jesus's divinity and superior priesthood throughout the book. We know that Jesus defeated Satan's power of death when he went to the cross. And God called him his great eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He was not Melchizedek, but he resembled Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the king of Salem. He was a king of justice. His priesthood was from the Most High God, and his, his, uh, he was a king uh, forever, and it was eternal and universal. And Jesus was a perfect sacrifice once and for all, unlike in the old uh, Levitical system where sacrifices had to be given repeatedly. So our lesson today is divided into four sections. Uh, the first one is the priesthood of Christ is superior, and it comes from verses 19 through 22. 
And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new living way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So just a little explanation about that. In verse 19, when we talk about uh, heaven's most holy place, of course, we understand that to be Jesus, God himself. We have no longer a, a physical place that we can go to or have to go to to be in touch with God. He's in our hearts, and so we have full access to him. In uh, the rest of, in verse 20, it says, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. We know that in the old system, the priest alone could go into the holy place and the holy of holies to offer sacrifices to God. And being in the holy of holies placed him in the presence of God. When Jesus died, uh, that we learned that the curtain of the Holy of Holies was split from top to bottom. And that symbolizes Jesus's sacrifice on the cross, that when he died, he split that curtain so that no longer are people excluded from going into the Holy of Holies. We all have access now to God uh, through Jesus's sacrifice. Verse 21 says, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, well, God's house is the church. That's all of us. And Jesus is the head of the church. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So uh, Jesus does rule over the church. We understand that. And when it says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, it means that we cannot waver about our faith. We have to believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. And so we know that God, that Jesus is the spirit of truth. And so whatever he says he will do, he's going to do it. And it says, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Well, if you think back to the old system of sacrifices, in Moses's day, the priest had to be sprinkled with the blood of animals. And, that, and they, they themselves were sprinkled as well as their clothing. But that blood uh, was a temporary uh, cleansing. It, it had to be done repeatedly. Every year on the Day of Atonement, they would have to go into the Holy of Holies and do this same ritual. But our consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. So when Jesus died for us, he cleansed us for once and for all. And we don't have to go through that year after year. And uh, his blood made us clean. There is no forgiveness of sin without blood. And so the animal blood could not remove sin. It could not create life. It could not uh, take away the sting of death. But Jesus's blood can do all of those things. And uh, so that's why it says we have been, our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. We are no longer guilty because Christ's blood has judged us not guilty.
And it says our bodies have been washed with pure water. The pure water refers to baptism. So here we have the guilty consciences being sprinkled with Jesus's blood to make us clean. That's on the inside. And then we have baptism, which is an outward expression of our cleansing. And so through Jesus, our consciences and our bodies are both clean. The next one says, uh, section two, the priesthood of Christ and our profession of faith. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, some people do but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we know that uh, we have to be firm in our commitment and in our belief in Christ. When we first became Christians, we were just on fire for the Lord. And we somehow may have lost that fervor as we have grown older, but we should be, uh, we should hold tightly to that and not uh, waver in our thinking. And we don't have to wonder, will we have salvation? God has promised us salvation. And so if he said it, it's going to happen. It says that God can be trusted to keep his promise. He also promised that Jesus would be his great high priest forever. And so we take him at his word. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And uh, some scriptures may say uh, motivate and others might say provoke. And so when we think of motivating, we think of that as a positive thing. When we think of provoking, that can be positive or ne negative. But we are supposed to encourage one another and uh, to, to acts of love. You think about agape. Agape is love towards another person without any expectation of return. And so that's what we are supposed to do. We, we're supposed to think of ways that we can help other people and do as much as we can for everyone. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Well, that means that we are supposed to uh, assemble together for worship. We can't all do it together because of the pandemic, but we can worship uh, at the same time. We can see the podcast, we can uh, watch from home, or we can come to church. But whichever way we choose to worship, we should not neglect coming together and meeting and, and encouraging one another. Uh, also, it talks about uh, the day of, of Jesus' re return. And, you know, in, in the old, uh, in the old New Testament uh, days, people thought that Jesus was going to come back any moment, and he still might. We don't know when he will return, but because he is going to return, we should be careful to make sure that we are uh, close and that we are not wavering in our faith and that we are encouraging and taking care of one another, bearing one another's burdens, so to speak. We should do everything that we can for everybody that we can as often as we can. And that was a quote that I saw in the uh, Precepts for Living book. So our third session, section is the priesthood of Christ and knowledge of the truth, coming from verses 26 and 27. 
Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. So in this particular section, in verse 26, uh, just like the people to whom the, he the book of Hebrews was written, we know the truth about God. We are not required by our government to worship or not worship, but if we continue in our willful sinning, that's willfully repeating the same behaviors over and over again. It could be equated to apostasy, which is uh, worshiping idol gods. We have rejected the sacrifice of Christ. We would be guilty of apostasy as the early Christians were when they deliberately turned away from God and worshiped idols. We are not told exactly what the fate will be, but it is a frightening thought. Hebrews 10, 27 describes it as God's judgment and a raging fire, an expression of the fire of judgment that will devour God's adversaries. Apostates become the enemies of God. People are no longer put to death for, uh, with two or three witnesses as in the Old Testament, but there are consequences. It is a, a conscious decision to reject God after receiving the truth and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is faithful to forgive our sins, but as believers, we should not constantly and willfully sin. In our fourth and final section of this lesson, it is about the priesthood of Christ and how God will judge his people, verses 28 through 31. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy, as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So I would be very much offended if someone mistreated a gift that I had given them. We cannot take the gift of Jesus's shed blood lightly, as do the apostates. The apostate might say that the shedding of blood is a common thing. That is to say that he treats the blood of Jesus uh, as if it's just like any other man. Something that is common is not holy or hallowed. Jesus's blood was sanctified and he, uh, he reminds us of the significance of his blood. We cannot call it a common thing. We also don't want to be guilty of insulting the Holy Spirit, which uh, reminds us that that would be reducing the honor that is due to the Holy Spirit. If we willfully sin, it's an insult. In verse 28 also, God is not happy at all when we continually sin. Remember how God dealt with the past uh, in the with the rebels in the wilderness? They died and did, uh, did not see the promised land. That was from Hebrews 3.11 and it's also in the Old Testament. They will never enter my rest. That's pretty scary that one could spend eternity away from God. 
There's only one other place to spend eternity. If it's not with God, then it's with Satan. In verse 29, we see the grievousness of apostates deliberately sinning. First, the person who has trampled on the Son of God shows disdain by rejecting and despising the Son of God. They have taken the shedding <coughs> excuse me, of Jesus' blood lightly, treating it as a common thing. No big deal. Jesus' blood was sacrificed for us. Treating Jesus' death as any other man's death as unholy is denying the significance of the blood. In 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 25 and others, we, we have uh, part of our Holy Communion scripture. We would never forget what the blood of Jesus has done for us. We should never forget. And as we said before, we're not going to be put to death on the testimony of a couple of witnesses as in Moses' day, but under the old covenant, they received no mercy. Anyone who rejected the law was killed by stoning without any compassion. We saw that in Deuteronomy 17, 6, and also 19 and 15. I cannot imagine the punishment for rejecting Christ in his gift of salvation. If we reject God, who was greater than Moses, even the severity of our punishment or judgment must be greater than that of Moses' day. So God warns us not to take his patience as the people, not to test his patience as the people did in the wilderness. He warns us to be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must want to teach, you must want to uh, teach each other every day while it is still day so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. If we are faithful to the end, God, uh, we trust in God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in that uh, what belongs to Christ. That's Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. As far as vengeance in verse 30, vengeance belongs to God and to God alone. God will act against or avenge or pay back his enemies, those who continually sin, it says that God will judge his people. That can be positive or negative. You can be not guilty or you can be guilty and you don't want to be on the side of the apostates. They should not think that they will escape God's judgment. And finally, verse 31, falling into the hands of someone usually means to fall under their power. And falling into the hands of God can be reassuring, but in this instance, it is not reassuring. If God has to punish us in anger, that's going to be for eternity. Apostates, persecutors, and enemies of God should not go about their business thinking they will escape judgment. They can expect the worst judgment for eternity. So that brings us to our concluding thoughts. In the remainder of this chapter, we are encouraged to remember how on fire we were for the Lord in our early days as Christians. We should not be swayed by public ridicule or even hard times. We are to suffer with those who suffer and to always be thankful to God for, that our troubles won't last forever. When Jesus returns, he will be coming for his church and not in judgment of believers. However, he will not be happy with those who have turned away from him. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. And that comes from Hebrews 10, uh, 39. 
Thank you for joining us today, and let us just close with the benediction. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and prevent us faultless before the coming of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, now and forevermore. Amen. Have a blessed week.